Turn with me to John chapter 14 for our scripture reading this morning. John chapter 14. We are in John chapter 14 just reading from verse 7 to down to 11. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Son, who has come and has shown us the Father through the work that he has done. Lord, who has, who has come and given us the ability to have hope in this world that we live in and has given us the model to be able to show love to those around us, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would bless the rest of our service, bless our hearts here as we sit and listen, Lord. I ask you speak to us. Lord, that you would guide us with whatever is going on in our lives, that you would be the focal point of everything. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have purchased a new set of hearing aids. But one of the frustrating things about a new set of hearing aids is when they don't act or do as well as the last pair you had. My last pair, I noticed that there were times, truly there were times when I could not hear my wife. That was not a time of not wanting to hear her, by the way. I just could not hear her. And so we felt it was time to pursue a much grander development of hearing aids now. I got them about uh, two weeks ago. Last Sunday, I was about ready to put them in a box and ship them to places where you've had your parents tell you that there are people starving in the world, so you should finish your plate. Well, just send it to them. I was ready to send these somewhere because they were not functioning well. Monday, a week ago tomorrow, we went and got that taken care of. And what's really interesting is there's an app now on my cell phone that I can go in there and change the settings For instance, if I'm in a big group, I can push this button, and all of a sudden they will go, so I can hear succinctly who I wish to talk to. If I'm outside, I can press a button, and they will change instantly, whereby if the wind is blowing, my hearing aids won't pick that up. I can have a setting that if I go into a restaurant, I can press a button 
and it will cancel all the noise around me so that I can hear the waitress or waiter or, yes, my wife. But the interesting thing about that, though, is that that uh, particular app needs to identify my hearing aids before it will act. And so when I bring that up on my cell phone, it takes a few minutes for that hearing or that app to connect to my hearing aids. And I know it does because there's little green arrows that go to each hearing aid. And when they finally reach their destination, my hearing aids go beep, beep. And then I can change whatever I want. This morning in John chapter 14, there is an identity that is being missed. In, in our series of Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, the first key truth to calming a troubled heart is realizing that we have a place that's being prepared. In, in other words, this isn't home. As bad as it's going to get, and it's going to get worse, by the way, as bad as it's going to get, this isn't home. We have a promise of where things are going to be all right. It's going to be good. It's going to be fantastic. And can I use the word that teenagers use all the time? It's going to be awesome. And, and, and so that's the first key. The second key is this, is that we do have a personal God. We have an identity that we can have with our Heavenly Father. And this is something that the uh, particular disciples had a problem with. Because Philip asks the question, show us the Father. That's all we want. And well, your new King James would say, show us the Father, it sufficeth us. That's all they wanted. Show us the Father. Why such a question? At this particular time in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, why such a question? I think there really are two issues. Or at least two if you will, reasons why maybe Philip asked such a question. Number one, Jesus introduced a different place that they weren't used to hearing about. They're used to hearing from the teachings as they were growing up, the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. God is going to reestablish his kingdom on this earth as described by the prophets Isaiah Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, all of that they're used to. And then when Jesus, in the beginning of John chapter 14, he says, in my father's house are many mansions. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This, we don't understand. I guess that's what prompted Thomas to say, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. We don't know the way. Philip takes it a little bit further. Because in John chapter 14, verse 1, 
Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. And then verse 2, in my Father's house. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have no understanding about the relationship that you just talked about. So Philip says, show us the Father. We want to know what is so important about understanding God as our Father. That is new terminology. That's new stuff. It's not new in the realm that Jesus spoke often of his Father. For in Matthew chapter 6, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus began, well, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. So it's not something new that they have heard about. But what was new about it was the relationship. The relationship. If you do your study in and throughout evangelism, you realize that one of the difficulties of sharing the truths of the scripture as far as relational is that sometimes we incorporate the idea of our heavenly father. And if you were raised in a household where the father is not something that is really proud of having, that's a difficult issue. And we found that out, my wife and I did, when we were uh, house parents in Milton Hershey School for a while. Some of the young ladies, unfortunately, were abused by their father. And when you begin to talk about a father figure, to them that is something that they just assume not be involved with. They've had enough. And so Philip's question is interesting. Show us the Father. If you go back to Exodus chapter 33 and begin at verse uh, 12, Moses sort of asks the same question. Moses is in a dialogue with God. He's at the tent of meeting. It's just him and God. And Moses is talking to God by saying, I understand your promises. You told me that you will bless. But Moses says, but if you're not going to go with us to the promised land, then please don't send us. And then Moses wanted proof that God was going to go with them because he asked God, let me see your glory. I want to be able to tangibly understand that you're going with us on this trip. I want to see some evidence here. I need to know if you're going with us or not. And you know that from 33 verse 12 to chapter 34 verse 9, God reveals himself not always, not the whole thing. Because he told Moses, you can't see my face. If I showed you my face, it's over. 
But I will do this. And the hymn writer captured it pretty well. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. God put him and protected him. And then he walked past Moses so that Moses could see his back. And that was enough. That that much glory, Moses was convicted that he's going with us. In our passage this morning, I want to look at some things concerning our personal God. How do we know that we have a personal God? You can go in and try to study all kinds of uh, religions. And you go from this fact that there is no God to another place where you can't know him. And yet, we have the word of God that reveals to us that he's very, very relational. It's the, heav it's the heavenly father that is questioned as Philip says, show us the father in verse 8 of our passage. Show us the father. Now, before we chastise Philip too much, you've got to remember uh, Philip isn't all that bad. I know what needing hearing aids are. The first question Andrew asked, maybe Philip was on the end of the line and he didn't quite hear what was going on. And yet, aren't we the same way sometimes in our prayers? What are we asking God to do? Prove it. I want you to prove it. I want you to prove that you'll never leave us and never forsake us when sometimes I feel all alone. I want you to prove to us that you said that you will meet all of our needs through Christ Jesus. And yet I'm hungry. I want you to prove it, God, that you really do care when life doesn't seem to care. It's a question that we all ask. It's a question that maybe we struggle with at times. And all Philip wanted to know is prove it. Show us the Father. Why didn't he say show us heaven? Because he wouldn't have remained there. Jesus said, you want to see heaven? Done. So were you, Philip. But he said, show us the Father. And I can just envision, in my wayward mind, I can envision maybe what Jesus did. Maybe something like this. Maybe the same kind of reaction when Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And he gets up. Oh, you of little faith. 
Time and time again, Jesus, I think, had that same kind of reaction. Jesus, why are we here in Samaria? We, we can't stand it here. And that's recorded in John chapter 4. Why, why are you talking to that woman of low repute? Why would you waste your time with her? Why, Jesus, do you eat with publicans and sinners? Jesus, show us the Father. In his words, Jesus reveals who the Heavenly Father is. The Heavenly Father is revealed. Jot down this verse next to that point. And it's Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. Well, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Colossae who may very well have the exact same question. And Paul writes to them that Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. You want to know the power of God? Look at Jesus. You want to know the provisions of God? Look at Jesus. You want to know the love of God? Look at Jesus. And that one statement, the Apostle Paul captured it for a church that was grasping or groping, if you will, for answers to life. And Paul says, Jesus is the he is the image of the invisible God. He's there. He's the one. Jesus answers Philip by in verse 9 when he says, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. The one who's seen me has seen the Father. There's no mistake about it. There's no, and, and I want to put everyone to ease because there are some religions that accuse Christianity of worshiping three gods. You say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Those are three gods. No, Jesus clarifies that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, if you can wrap your mind around that statement, you've got to at least consider this. That Jesus was God walking on his earth. He is the embodiment of the Father. He is the physical representation of that one whom we cannot see. He is on display for the whole world to come to an understanding of who God is. 
And Jesus says, well, the one who's seen me has seen the Father. The other side of that phrase is this. Philip, have you been looking? The one who's seen me has seen the Father. Philip, were you looking? Were you getting it? Were you at that point of when you even began to doubt who God is because you didn't see me and what I was doing? I know what's racing in your mind right now. How many times has Pastor Doug failed to see Jesus in life circumstances? If you've got an hour or two, come visit me in my office and I'll take you through my life journey. There's times when you just wonder, why, oh God, where are you? We're ready to throw in the towel. My heart hurts. I do have a troubled heart. And I've missed seeing Jesus in that. I was blessed yesterday. We went and watched my, not the youngest grandson, the oldest grandson, play soccer. Well, let's put it this way. They ran around and kicked the ball. (laughs) One time, the ball went out of bounds. I guess that's, I don't don't know. It it went beyond the white line. And... The coach, that the referee out there, called a color, and one of the little boys on my grandson's team said, no, 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 it went off my foot. It went off my foot. I couldn't help but say to the young man, thank you for being honest. Thank you. How many times do we miss that? How many times do we even own up to something like that? Philip, have you seen me? Have you watched me? Have you heard me? Because if you have, you would have seen and heard and watched the Father. Then we come to how the Heavenly Father is identified. First, he's, per, he's questioned, he's revealed, and now Jesus identifies who the Father is. By the words recorded in verse 10, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. He's right here. Show us the Father. Right here. He's right here. Oh, I know he's amongst us. I, 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 I. No, Jesus said, he's right here. It's me. It's me. And then Jesus goes on to exclaim 
some interesting terms. It says, the words I speak are not my own. They're the words of my Father. The things that I do are not my own. They're from the Father. In other words, Philip, in other words, brothers and sisters of Grace Community Church, everything that is recorded for us in the scriptures that relate to the person of Jesus Christ relates to the one who sent him, our Father, who art in heaven. So in the moments of despair, in the moments of wondering if anybody cares, if anyone has an answer, you can rest assured of this. Jesus and the Father are one. The same essence now, this is really going to rock your chair this morning. When you go to Revelation 4 and 5, I can't wait to get there, brother, on Wednesday nights. If you're not coming Wednesday nights for that study, you ought to make it a priority. You ought to come. But when we get to chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the, verse of the, of the book of the Revelation, chapter 4, you see the Father on his throne. Chapter 5, Jesus enters in as the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. And then the Holy Spirit is depicted as the seven spirits of God. You know what's amazing about that? It's here in chapter 14. We got Father, Son, and later on, we got Holy Spirit. The triune Godhead. Now, don't try to philosophize, I don't know if there's such a word or not, don't try to philosophize trying to fully understand all of that. But I'm here to tell you, they are God. And when you have one present, you have all three present. Isn't that amazing? And when we come to the point of hearts that are wounded, discouraged, when we ask, let not your heart be troubled, when things aren't working out, understand this. You're not alone. I'm not talking about others are feeling the same way. I'm saying you're not alone. The whole triune Godhead is there. Ministering in ways that you can't figure it out. Brother Paul shared with me this morning a lesson that you're all going to get in your Sunday school class. That when Jesus took the pillow 
to fall asleep in the boat. He wasn't nodding off in a cat nap. He was intentional in taking a sleep. And the disciples were caught in a situation that they couldn't figure it out. And Jesus got up and he said, I'm right here. Oh, it may see sometimes God may be asleep. And, and you kind of wonder how, when's he going to show up? But I guarantee you, if, he, if you think he's asleep, that means he's got everything in control. And he's not worried about it. Philip said, show us the Father. That's all we want. And Jesus said, he's right here. First of all, these questions. Secondly, he is revealed. Thirdly, he is identified. Lastly, he's believed. Two times in these short passage, Jesus talks about believe. Do you believe? Then Jesus went on and he finished in verse 11 as it's record for us. Believe me that I'm in the Father. And the Father's in me. And if that doesn't suffice you, then at least believe the miracles that you've seen. What miracles have you seen in your life? Some of them you will never be aware of. Driving down the road, you're late. You're frustrated. But God's cleared away that you won't be in an accident. My mantra is if I'm not early, I'm late. Sometimes that's gotten me in trouble. Because I like to hurry. I like to get there. That's gotten me in trouble sometimes. Sometimes we have an injury that we go to a hospital for a fix-up. And they find something else that is worse than your injury. You don't think that's a miracle. But if you didn't have an injury to go to the hospital, they would have never found it. And where would you be today? Sometimes life is a storm. But in it is where you find out who's in charge. For Jesus said, peace. Be still. Sometimes we got to go to a grave. And there we find Jesus saying, Lazarus, come forth. 
question is, is Jesus leaves it. Do you believe? You recognize as we go through the rest of this text all the way to the end of chapter 14, the disciples don't ask another question. They're done. Whether they got all their answers or they don't want to be embarrassed, that I don't know. But Jesus begins to now reiterate for us four more keys to quiet a disheveled heart. Lord willing, we'll look at them, but I don't want to stop right now. The question is, do you believe? Believe is trust. Are you willing to trust God through storms when you have questions about where are you? Are you willing to trust God through life difficulties when you feel there's no answer in sight? Are you willing to trust God even when you've come to the end of your strength and wonder if there's any help. There's an app in the Bible. And it needs to connect, not to your ears, but to two chambers of your heart. Jesus says, do you believe? I think that was sufficient for Philip. Is it sufficient for you? Let's pray. Our God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into the paths of right of, of temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we believe. Amen.